0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: Hello, folks. I am John Najarian, and this is Compound Interests. It's a special broadcast. Today, we're talking with Larry McDonald of Bear Traps Reports and uh, Colossal Failure of Common Sense, his New York Times bestselling book, it's already in 12 languages. Um, this is a guy that uh, has been at the forefront of everything from Lehman Brothers to Society General, and you've seen him on CNBC, Bloomberg, everywhere. This is a guy that Harvard Asset Management listens to uh, the Bank of Abu Dhabi. you name it. Over 500 big institutional clients listen to what Larry McDonald has to say, and scores of retail clients as well. And he had some really interesting things to say about the skew, the pricing if you will, of calls and puts in stocks like Apple and Tesla and how that might have been a precursor to some of those aggressive profit taking that we saw over the next uh, 24 hours after that call and put skew got out of line. Uh, I think you'll also like to hear what he has to say about volatility and how we had the highest close ever for volatility or VIX at the same time the S&P 500 hit the highest close. That's something that you just don't usually see, folks. Usually you're seeing um, S&P 500 hit a new high and the VIX is down. Instead, the VIX was up and it was in the high 20s um, when that happened. and that my friends, is another tell. We'll have all that for you. I know you'll enjoy it. This is Larry McDonald of Bear Traps Reports. Hey, John, I miss you, man. Oh, I, I miss you. Um, I miss those steaks, and we should be having a steak right now in, in Midtown, but I, I, don't know,
0: I don't know when we'll be able to do it again.
1: I know. I, I Somebody else just tweeted today, Larry, that... Uh, um, upwards of 60% of the restaurants in Manhattan are going to be closed. Uh, My God. Some will come back. Obviously, we hope that place that Larry's mentioning closed, uh Hunt and Fish Club. Um, we hope it comes back. But, you know, I think an awful lot of these places are going to need to renegotiate leases and so forth, Larry. Um, yeah. With Manhattan uh, office space at 35%, almost 40% unoccupied right now. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people just throwing the keys on the table and saying, It's yours. Yeah. yeah. Give me a new deal or I'm walking um, and come find me or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Now, by the way, Larry, um, do you want to say where you are? Because I don't want to just. Sure, that. sure. Well, okay. first, um, you know, I want people to know that. Our, our book is
0: um, a colossal failure of common sense and it's a New York times bestseller. I was a Lehman trader. And uh, as I, as I told John all the time, I tell my wife once a month, if we sell a million books, we'll break even on our Lehman stock. So, <laughs> so, so it's a great book that is, it's been picking up sales the last couple of years. A lot of young people, it's written by Patrick Robinson and I, and Patrick wrote Lone Survivor with the Navy SEAL Marcus Littrell. And uh, when we started to write the book, um, Patrick said, Lawrence, I thought a bond was something out of a Roger Moore movie. And so it's, it's written so that anybody can understand finance. And so especially someone coming into the business, it's one I think one of the best books ever written for someone that wants to learn about you know, options, equities, bonds, distressed debt, and so I appreciate if you pick up a copy of Colossal Failure of Common Sense.
1: That's right. Colossal Failure right of there. Common Sense, folks. Um, it's already been translated into 12 languages. I think I have a copy both in New York um, as <laughs> well as right here um, in Chicago, but, well, Larry. I'm in
0: Panama. Uh, my, wife, my wife and I have a, we have a place in New York. We bought, we bought this place during the financial crisis, and I've always wanted to use it. And we came down in, you know, during the depths of, right, you know, March 10th or so. And uh, it's been really great because we really used the place for the first time. And uh, they were supposed to open the airports June 10th, then July 10th, then August 10th. So the airports are closed. The only way out of here is private jet. And uh, the family's here. So I think I'll stay another month or so. But, uh, you know, I, I got to get back to New York at some point. But uh it's a nice place to be when San Carlos Rio Mar, which is an hour and a half outside the city. It's a, it's a real, you would love it John, cause it's a, it's a big surfing town. It's a I, real, uh, I should say a little surfing town. Mm.
1: Yeah. Well, and I know you've got some great, uh, uh, seafood down there too. I <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah. I'll, I'll bring you, you and I'll have some grouper.
1: Yeah. Oh God. I love grouper. Now, um, I know a lot of the folks that are listening. In particular, the folks that'll listen to this over the weekend and so forth, because we're recording this on uh, the third of September, folks. We've just had a big eight hundred point drop in the Dow, Larry, um, and obviously a big five hundred point drop in the uh, Nasdaq. Biggest, biggest moves outside of up moves. The biggest moves we've seen in months. Just uh, you know. We saw a big turnaround right after, I think it was, Larry, on Tuesday after Apple and uh, Tesla both did a little tremor on Tuesday, Tuesday Tuesday
0: tremor before the quake.
1: (laughs) Well, they both did their stock splits, of course, do that going in. Um, They both rallied big after the stock splits, and everybody was scratching their heads and thinking, well, isn't a $5 bill the same as five ones? Um, (laughs) Of course it is, <laughs> but you know the if it bleeds it leads, and if it doesn't they stab it. That's what yeah. I, know, Larry. So obviously a,
0: a great lesson there was um, one thing we noticed. So we have a Bloomberg chat with about five hundred institutional investors, all buy side hedge funds, and two or three of them mentioned this week that Apple had a seven, almost an eight percent candle. So as a trader, when you see a large cap stock make a new high, closing high, and then and then it and then it falls during that day a a new high, and then it closes below the previous day's low, Uh, that's a candle. And for you know you're talking about a 2.2 trillion dollar company to have an 8% candle in one day, that's 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 usually a sign of a capitulation top that that typically leads to more selling.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I I know that. You had pinged me, Larry, about uh, some of the people that were more or less trying to force the market up. They were uh, uh, trying to get other people in, um, not by jawboning it, but by basically people that followed trades and data and things like that in the market. They were trying to get people trapped uh, much like absolutely air trap report, except they were trying to trap bulls. Ex- exactly, John. This
0: is very rare. What happened this week was a bull raid, a bull trap. And think of, like, think of March, right? What the bears were doing every night, every single night in March, the bear, the bear raid, is they were selling the futures down, trying to get the longs, you know, the real money accounts that are long, you know, not real traders. They were trying to pour, push things down and shake people out of stocks create capitulation, and they were pretty successful. They did it every day, every night the futures were down, and then during the day they, they followed through the same thing when they lower lows. And then what happens is the street traders, those option traders at you know, your typical banks, if they get lots of put trades, so the put to call skew was a 10, 12 to one in March, and so the street gets these orders, you know, buying puts, so they'll get, what does the street have to do? If, you know, if, if the customer wants to buy puts, the street has to sell stock to, to hedge themselves, right? So it just, it's like a, a feeding frenzy to the downside. This was the exact opposite. So the, the call put skew reached uh, close to 12 to one this week. Uh, the, the cost of calls versus on Apple, for example, a call that's $50 out of the money, $50 out of the money uh, on the upside versus $50 out of the money on the downside was three times more expensive to buy a call, and which is highly unusual. So what we heard in the chat is three of our institutional clients said this, that a large buyer came in over the last week and bought massive upside calls on eight companies, okay? Um, Apple, I believe, is one of them. CRM is another, Facebook. So they buy these calls inside $2 trillion, I'm sorry, 2 billion a premium, 2 billion a premium. And that forced the street, so the street has, if you're a trader an uh, options, and someone comes in in size on eight names that big, what can you do? You can turn away the order, but if you do that, the whole street will know, and you'll be out of business in a month. Uh, you can call, say, Warren Buffett and try to get Mr. Buffett to, to, take, to sell some of his upside, right, in Apple, because the client wants to buy calls, so you'd have to get Warren to sell calls. Or you have to sell, buy stock and give the client the trade to hedge yourself. So you had a massive amount of buying. So that, that last 10 days in the market, the street was buying up these big names. That's why the breadth was so bad because the index is going up. With breadth means that the average stock in the S&P, the average stock in the NASDAQ, was, wasn't doing much and was actually going down in some cases. The number of new highs was very, very low. So low amount of new highs. Big, big whale comes in. And guess what happens next? then the quants, the the copycats come in, they copy this big buyer, they're all doing the same thing. Then the Robin Hood people come in, the little guy, Monday, Tuesday, and the whole thing just set up for, you know, a really ugly reversal. So, but we we heard through the grapevine, it was a major account around the world, uh, but uh, I heard it about six times, so it's probably pretty credible, but I, I, and there was Citadel put out a research report about this as well, so it's, it, I, I'm very highly confident this took place.
1: Oh yeah, well, um, there was, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Robinhood, so <laughs> I got to go there. Um, <laughs> you and I mainly talked to, even though we might both, you know, certainly have friends that are retail traders, nothing wrong with being retail, um, but Robinhood is retail. I mean, the average Robinhood account is under $2,300. Um, so, obviously, uh, if you're listening to this, folks, those of you who are institutional traders, don't turn it off because um, I'm still going to talk about you. <laughs> but I'm going <laughs> to talk about some of the Robin Hood traders right now, Larry, because I think this army of traders that it's not just Davey Day Trader, you know, um, uh, DDTG, Davey Day Trader. <laughs> <laughs> Um, It's not just Dave Portnoy, it's all of these uh, folks that have been locked in at home, don't have sports to bet on until just recently, Um, probably don't feel nearly as comfortable making bets on sports as they used to, because it doesn't feel the same. I mean, you're watching a basketball game, but you're watching it with no crowd. You know, there's not all the guys waving the things at the you know, free throw shooter and all that kind of stuff. It's none of that. Um, it's not the folks at the baseball game screaming at the first baseman or the pitcher. Or you don't have a feel for
0: the team, really, because you're out of connection. You know, there's yeah. no connected connectivity.
1: So I, th- I think that there's a whole host of reasons why Robin Hood gained, you know, call it 5 million accounts since the beginning of the year, Larry. Oh, that is a phenomenal number. 3 million in the first quarter alone, and wow. additional traders. I keep say, forgetting well, that. Thank you, John. Well, I, I think that these Robin Hood uh, folks, um, people keep saying, oh, this is not going to end well. And when I was discussing this with a technician friend of mine, Brian Shannon, and a guy that I think you know too, uh, Joe Fammy. Yes, uh, I Joe. Yeah, Joe. I'm um, yeah, Joseph. Love them both. Um, we were discussing this and we're like, who says it has to end? What are you talking about? The market's going to stop. It's going to close. We're not going to trade anymore. Well, you know, because you hear that over and over again, Oh, this is not going to end. Well, whether it's Leon Cooperman, Warren Buffett, um, Charlie Munger, you know, whomever it is, they're saying, Oh, this won't end. Well, trust me, this doesn't end. Well, I think that's really uh, uh a dim view of uh, people uh, in particular of these new, this new army of day traders. Uh, I think it's also ignorant to say, end because markets don't end. Yeah, they stop. And yeah, you could have um, a bull run like we've had basically since the end of March, where we've gone from the lower left to the upper right, you know, on a pretty aggressive pattern, but it doesn't mean it ends, Larry. It means, Okay, bears are in charge for a while. That's the way markets go. You've got bulls in charge. You talked about at the beginning, you know, those people that were buying, you know, hitting the markets. People want to buy puts, then they're selling stocks, and that causes that tumble to the downside. And then you said most recently, it's been the opposite. It's been people wanting to buy stocks, they're buying calls. In particular, they couldn't buy stocks like Apple. That was, you know, pre-split five hundred dollars or Tesla that was twenty-one hundred dollars and things like that. But they're going to be buying calls, which causes the hedge to buy stock exactly and kind of stuff. So you, you know, you get it both ways, down and up. So I guess when I'm sure on your bear traps report, you don't have people being idiotic and saying, "Well, this isn't going to end well." They probably just say, "Well." Sooner or later, the bears are going to have to be fed, too. Yeah, and the big thing I've been hearing is that it's more likely that we just have
0: a big rotation where – so I think that our thesis is this around tech versus commodities. Really, for the last 10 years, we've had no inflation because we had a Brexit. We had a trade war. We had COVID. We also had the Tea Party. Yep. Uh, which was vicious, you know, austerity in the United States and Europe. And then we had a smooth functioning supply chain, you know, the most function, the most incredibly functioning supply chain, you know, funded by the Chinese uh, and the your Asian countries. And all those, every single one of those things has changed. And now we have universal basic income for the first time. We didn't have that. I, I talk about this in my book, you know, the fiscal response to Lehman was nothing like this response, right? And right now, we're essentially in universal basic income in the United States, universal basic income in, in, in Brazil. So this is a much more populist rebellion fiscal response this time, whereas the previous decade was much more uh, austerity and monetary policy, right? So rate cuts and bad, you know, QE and fiscal controls. This is much different. So if that's the case, uh, the, the probability of, and here's the most important thing, the certainty of deflation has gone from the last three months to like 100% certainty, 100% certainty in terms of deflation to more of like maybe 20, 30, 40, 50% certainty. In other words, there may be, you don't, you don't need inflation to have a major asset shift. Right now there's $8 trillion in the facts, right? And the amount of money that's in commodity stocks is probably less than $1 trillion, the whole basket of them, right? So, so you're gonna see some type of move towards stagflation over the next two, three years. And I think you'll see a big shift. And so we're long a lot of commodity-based companies, your mosaics, your tech resources, your silvers, your gold, your XME. And so we're more, much more overweight that what we call the global cyclicals. And now with that weak dollar, the weak dollar is, is giving the rest of the world an incredible. Uh, economic revival, because when the dollar's weak, the Chinese currency can strengthen and it helps all of of China's trading partners. China's done a big fiscal plan. So, you're right, the whole point, it doesn't end well. It's probably gonna be more of a colossal shift in asset prices from, remember, and here's my, the last thing I'll say on this, think of Warren Buffett. In the last two weeks, he bought a commodity-based financial companies which are commodity traders and a gold miner. So he's taking six, $7 billion, he's buying hard assets. You wanna be buying hard assets and less financial assets. You wanna be taking down your exposure to financial assets and increasing your exposure to, to commodities. And, and so the future of risk parity, John, so risk parity, like the la- all these models have been the last 10 years, stocks and bonds. And we're going back to like a 1960 risk parity where it's stocks, bonds, commodities, and maybe even real estate.
1: Now, uh, folks, for for those of you who um, uh, are are listening to Larry, and you've seen him on CNBC, but you probably don't know that, you know, Harvard Management Company uh, is one of the folks that, you know, listens to what this guy says. Um, You know, folks up at the Hoover Institute, uh, folks um, at, you know, these huge family offices, the National Bank of Dubai and Abu Dhabi and things like yes. that. There are, there are some pretty powerful folks that follow what Larry's talking about here. So when Larry's saying, well, hard assets, if you don't have enough of that, if you're really way overexposed, I mean, I'm heavy, Larry, in tech, still. I mean, my, my four biggest positions right now are, in this order, Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, and Facebook. Um, okay. That's pretty heavy tech. <laughs> yeah. so you're, you're crushing know. it. <laughs> I know one of those is a uh, um, a car company, and it might be Apple. I don't know if it's Tesla. <laughs> but um, those aren't my only holdings. I'm just saying I know I'm heavy in tech, but I'm also um, I have a ton of GLD, GDX, actual physical gold, physical silver. Um, because I listened to what Larry McDonald has to say, because I think he's right about these commodities. Larry, I also spoke to uh, David Hightower of the Hightower Report, um, which is obviously a guy that really covers uh, soft and hard uh, commodity assets, You know, whether it's um, energy-related stuff, whether it's grains and corn and soybeans, or pork bellies and live cattle and all that stuff. Yes. Um, but I, I think an awful lot of those kinds of markets um, are going to continue to be a focus. And if people don't have exposure in that, and they're like me, they're, they're, they're maybe heavy in tech. But if all you've got is tech, you know, today was an ugly day. Um, luckily for me, that's not all I've got. I've got an awful lot of companies that are exposed like you're talking about, Larry, to the tech resources, um, to BP, um, Chevron. Um, I've even got some banks, believe it or not, for the first time in a long time, Larry. Banks Well, I've got KeyBank. I've got JP Morgan. Those are really my only two bank banks. I, I wouldn't mind having TCF, but I don't have it right now. But I also have PayPal, which is, you know, payments, I'm going to say, along with Square, which I say is payments, especially with their cash app. Um, I like those guys a lot. Um, But when you're talking with all these big, you know, money managers, and you're giving them, you know, the download of what you're looking at now, we've got basically, what, 70 days, 60 some odd days before the election, Larry, how long or uh, how long before you have to have your final bets down into the election? (laughs) I'm not saying you have to pick a direction now, whether it's Democrat, Republican, whether the Republicans take back the Senate, whether they lose the Senate, whether Trump wins or doesn't win, but when, uh, when is it going to be too late, other than the day before the election, when is it going to be too late to put on positions because everybody else will already be in them into the election. Well, you know, there's, there's certain trades that work
0: like months ahead, and there's certain trades that work last minute. I'm, I'm looking back to 2016. In 2016, the Trump trades really—I uh, mean, you could have bought them pretty cheap the week before because nobody was expecting Trump, right? So, in the last, you know, couple of months, we've gone from high probability of Biden now more. more kind of more balanced. Um, But the big thing for the next two weeks, in our client chat, and what we do is we recap the client chat. So we've got 500 institutions in there. We recap it for the retail audience. And one of the things that we've been saying the last couple of days is the Fed meeting, we're hearing from the institutions that the Fed, for the first time, is a little bit concerned, just a touch concerned about inflation. And they're not gonna, like, remember, this is so important when, when convexity in the bond market and tech is so large in other words if you think about like right now and there's eight trillion in the fangs there's 10 trillion in u.s corporates right so, so investment grade bonds and then there's 14 trillion in treasuries. so that's a huge a lot of those companies especially like netflix these companies are like what we're called, called terminal value they don't They don't produce earnings they're reinvesting all the earnings and you're really buying a long-term cash flow, okay? You're buying a long-term cash flow. So as you think about the Fed, if if the Fed just, like you saw this with the taper tantrum in 2013, you saw this a little bit in 2011, the Fed just, just acknowledges for the first time inflation risk, then there'll be a revaluation of some of these, some tech companies, and I think that's what's happening today, because what, what what's leaking around the last two three days is that the Fed's a little uncomfortable with uh, with the amount of. It's not that we have inflation, but we have like stagflation. We've got lumber up 100%, copper, cobalt up 20% month over month. You know, these are these are big big uh, you know commodities, and the whole basket of them, the Bloomberg Commodity Index, is ripping. Um, the DBA, which is a which is an ag ETF, that's been ripping. So for the, if they just, John, if they just acknowledge inflation risk, just a touch, just a little tiny crumb of acknowledgement, it'll re, reweight, you um, know, more growth to value. And so that's one of the worries. that, the other thing that they're gonna do, which we're hearing from all of our clients, ACG analytics in Washington has been fantastic. There's a high probability, and you saw it in some of the speeches today with Evans, They are sick and tired. They don't want to go down this 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 path where they're doing all the work in Washington. Remember, the Washington was in sequester from 2011 to 2016. I mean, what that means is, you know, President Obama, you know, I I, I lean Republican, but he had a very tough deck to play with because the Republicans controlled the Senate, they controlled the House, they controlled the Senate in 2014, they controlled the House. And sequester basically froze spending, right? So, so there was so there was no fiscal help, and the monetarists had to do everything. And they, the Fed, is livid. They they want help from Washington, especially with 27 million people that are still getting some type of assistance, 300 a week down from 600. So we don't have a deal. Chuck and Nancy and uh, Mitch are at the beach, right, on the golf course, wherever. Uh, in the hair salon <laughs> 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 that was great but just this is a real problem I and mean, this is just complacency in washington so chances are the fed makes a, a, a makes a stand and the markets are going gonna to make a stand too on washington so we may i think what's what's setting up at least for the next couple of weeks is there'll be some little more pressure on washington to do something and that's where the market will break them and we'll get a fiscal response, just like in just like in in, uh, remember in March, you and I were talking about the fiscal response. Fiscal response and the market didn't believe, and then finally we got the fiscal response. I think we're heading to, toward that. But if you come to the election, here's my election bet. Okay. So for a very speculative investor, I mean this is really more institutions. But what we noticed in 2016, if Trump wins, Fannie and Freddie, equity and Ackman's along this. He talked about it they on Bloomberg. Fannie and Freddie, equity and preferreds, more like preferreds, are just a real home run because Trump wants to recap and release them, and they want to basically, this would be like one of the biggest IPOs in the history of capital markets, where they're going to bring Fannie and Freddie out of conservatorship, and they're going to do a road show out to all the big West Coast institutions, and they'll show Buffett and everybody, this is a cash cow and right now, it's pretty cheap because if Biden wins, the the, the worry is is that you know with within, with administrations, uh, the, the Trump administration plus the FHFA, uh, Mark Calabria's team, they've done two years worth of work to get this you know everything ready. They're dotting the i's, they're crossing the t's, and so the the Biden administration could really wipe out a lot of that work. So there's risk there. And so you're, you're talking about a colossal move higher you know, if Trump wins in the Fannie and Freddie trade. And, um, and then the other one is like you know, in terms of if you think Biden is going to lose, you want to get out of these solar names. These solar names are trading one of the highest percentages above the 208. All these green trades have priced in a Biden win, like they've literally priced in Biden. And so, you know, those, those are kind of the like obvious ones. Our other ones are more Trump. Trump will for sure in the first hundred days of the, of the of the next term will go hardcore uh, with a with with possibly a House and Senate, maybe definitely a Senate, will go hardcore on infrastructure. We're talking New Deal. Uh, so you want to be along with steel dynamics, you want to be along with XME. This is why you want to be along with commodities, because this type of fiscal response on top of a Fed that's you know really accommodative i am really strongly feel that commodities and some emerging markets will outperform some of these growth areas
1: well uh that those are great insights larry um uh one of the things I think a big day like today like a five percent move in um the uh nasdaq and a two and a half percent three percent move whatever out of the s and p I think those kinds of uh moves um take a little pressure off the Fed as far as this. A lot of the Fed uh, speakers have been asked, and they haven't wanted to comment too much about when they see inflation, could they consider the stock market inflation? Could they consider asset inflation in the stock market? Much like Alan Greenspan famously said about irrational exuberance, even though he was a couple years early. Um, when the markets, uh, you know, when Apple is, uh, uh, you know, just, it does a four for one split and then just rips to the upside after the split for no good reason. I mean, you know, I love Apple, I'm a holder. Um, but when it goes from, you know, the Friday close, let me see here. Friday, last week, Apple closed at 124. It peaked at, uh, almost 135, Larry on Tuesday, huh. I mean, come on, the, the biggest company on earth added, you know, nearly $300 billion. <laughs> you know, it went from 2 trillion to $2.3 trillion kind of thing, actually it was 2.1 trillion to 2.3, trillion. but anyway, it came down $10 today. It came down 8% to 12088, it's moving up a little in the after hours now after that shellacking, but I think that kind of move, that kind of move in Tesla, the kind of moves that we're seeing across the board on all those fang names, um, I think is a positive for the Fed because they don't wanna be asked about, well, what about that asset inflation? Because it's all because you guys took rates to zero and the Fed's saying, we're out of bullets. We got nothing else to do is take it down to zero you guys have to go do something. So I love that you're also saying that, that um, hopefully this is a catalyst for the uh, Congress. Uh, I don't think they'll be kind to Nancy Pelosi, by the way, Um, not just about the, uh, the hair salon thing, that was a fiasco. And then she tried to push that off, Larry, and say, oh, I was set up. Yeah, I'm sure MSNBC called the hair salon and said, hey, We're thinking about having her on tonight can you guys set her up (laughs) (laughs) well i'll tell you on apple so when this think about what just
0: happened you just described it beautifully this is manipulation i mean somebody came in and bought two billion of calls across these tech stocks let me give an example in our bloomberg chat here's the trade that a client put on and and he showed it to us and he gave us permission to share it because he thought it was so crazy cheap So Apple was $130, okay? Mm -hmm. Call it Monday or Tuesday, $130. He bought the 200 call, so $130 stock. Mm -hmm. He bought the 200 call January 21, so four months, four months. He bought the 200 call and he sold the 250 three to one. Okay, so he sold three of these and bought one of these. He took in close to $4. they took in premium of massive premium, like $3.65 of premium that he took in to do that. And the only way he loses money in that trade is if Apple goes to nearly $5 trillion market cap <laughs> by, by January, $5 trillion. That's how much premium – This what happened, John, this week is so – you know, it's so despicable because these, you know, these whales came in, they distorted the market, the, because what happened is they came with that big one, then the street had to buy Apple, then the quants followed in, then the Robin Hooders, so everybody chased this up, you know, the, everybody's like chasing the whale, and the minnows are chasing the whale, and then the whale uh, probably unloaded some of the position yesterday or today, and then all of a sudden the street has to take off those hedges, and boom! It's just, and the little guys left holding back. And I'll tell you, my, when I first started the business in 1990 Merrill Lynch, I made, you know, I was trying to make some money in options and um, I had like all this beautiful premium and the next day it disappeared. And my, 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 my boss at the time said, Larry, never forget, when it comes to options, they show it to you, then they take it away. And that's, that's what happens is as, as a retail investor, you gotta be so careful uh, in the options market and uh, and just watch out for that type of manipulation going on behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, well, folks, uh, what Larry's describing, um, for instance, last uh, last week, as we you know finished off the week and Tesla was getting ready to make its split, Apple was getting ready to make its split. Um, the the amount of money these stocks put on, um, you know, this is adjusted prices, but you know Tesla was going from 400 and what 430 or so, there to on the peak this week. I think it was 502. Um, now it, oh God. Uh, it actually Tuesday, Larry traded to 525 or 530 in the pre-market when Musk announced that five billion dollar deal that nobody understands. You know because it's not a usual a conventional uh offering. Um yeah, some people thought he should
0: have done a lot more, but
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and I who do you do you think anybody bought um shares on that uh at 508? Because I don't think so, but that was his offer was yeah, I'll offer you know five billion dollars worth of stock at 508. Um I would buy stock in Tesla at 508 if it was a convert layer, if it was a uh because I'm already long it, but if I could um, get a uh, yield, and then have that as a convert. Yeah, I'd do that. But otherwise, who who needed that block? <laughs> I don't know who needed that block. But you know, Musk thought somebody might be uh, stupid enough to take him up on it. Um, doesn't appear that they found that. You know, the last man standing wasn't as dumb as they thought. Uh, but I think we're going to see. Um, A little bit of a shake out here, just a little bit. I don't think significant, I don't think 10%, 15%. I think just a little bit. Yesterday, Larry, when they basically melted up into the close yesterday, a lot of that was, all of a sudden Trump was dead even with Biden and leading Biden in a bunch of the battleground states. He went up from down five in Michigan to up two, for instance in some of those battleground states. People had to rejigger positions yesterday that they're wishing they hadn't today, not because of poll numbers, but because of the markets. Um, But that will be just an incredible thing. And Larry, you're a guy that watches volatility as well. There will be volatility, not just into election night, but over that next couple weeks as they try to get these votes counted. This is something, you know, yeah, we had to watch that when it was Bush and uh, Gore. But yeah. that same thing again here, unless one of them really just late, you know, slams it and it's just over on election night. If it's not, then as those votes are getting counted, it's going to be very interesting.
0: Well, fascinating thing on volatility. So today, the VXN, which is the VIX of the NASDAQ, it traded at a premium to the last three years. So even think of like how volatile the market was, John. You remember Christmas 2018. You'll never forget when, when Powell tried to dig in on the rate cut, rate uh, hikes. Remember? Yeah. And remember how volatile things were? The VXN is way above uh, that level, like 20 30% above that level. You remember the China currency debal in 2015 in September? So the VIX today is the, the VXN, which is the NASDAQ of the VIX. Was the highest since um, really going back to the flash crash? Um, well, well, I'm sorry. It was higher in March, right? Besides March, besides March, because March was obviously the grand the granddaddy of them all. But you got to go back to the the to literally the flash crash of 2011 to get a VXM And think about it, that's that's the crazy thing about what happened this week. And John, this is an amazing stat. So the the S and P made a new high yesterday, right? and the VIX made its highest close ever, not ever like in terms of the VIX, but its highest close ever with the S&P making an all-time high. In other words, the VIX closed near 27, and that's the highest close with the S&P at an all-time high. So that, those, that has happened three times, John, in the last week. Three times the, the, the stock market's made a new high and the VIX has made, and guess what? We went back, and I'll send you the chat, which you can share, uh, I'll send you the chart, but we went back in our uh, in our research department, and we found the last time this happened was March 2000. A bunch of times in '99, a bunch of times, a few times in '98. So it's happened 20 times that this event, which I'm telling you in terms of in terms of the VIX, has happened 20 times in the last since 1995, and three of those times were this, this week. So it just tells you that. It's that's the, that's the capitulation on the upside. Like, people are so are, are so concerned about a melt-up that the, the VIX is actually rising in the markets. typically, as you know, John, and you and I have been on the set of CNBC 100 times, the last, you and I have been on the air so many times on Half, half Money and all these shows, every time the, the market's at an all-time high, every single time in the last decade, just about. The VIX is in the – literally, the VIX is 11 12 I mean, and the VXN is – this is crazy. And what's happening today is is very similar to 99, where people are more afraid about the upside. In other words, normally, normally the VIX is insurance against a, a, a crash. That's why puts always cost more than calls.
1: Today, you know, this week, that call put skew was the richest ever for, for Apple. Mm. Well – I mean, it was a a, a huge move, and uh, when I'm when I'm looking here, Larry, at the moves that you know you just described, whether it's Apple or the uh, uh, the broad market or the Nasdaq alone, there'll be people uh, that'll be pretty surprised tonight when they look at the uh, evening news and see what happened. I don't know if we're doing a markets in turmoil. <laughs> I don't know if we're doing one of those. I'm not going to be there. But I don't know if they're doing one of those tonight, but clearly there was, uh, you know, a, a pretty strong feeling that uh, we were seeing markets in turmoil. Um, now let me see. So Friday last week, Apple closed at uh, with the adjusted price 124.81. Um, on uh, Monday this week. Traded up to 131. On Tuesday, it hit that 134.80. On the second, yesterday, it hit (laughs) 137.98. I mean, think of that, $13 for that stock. So when you see it, and, uh, you know, it closed tonight at what, 120.88, call it 121. Um, So $3 under where it was uh, last week. Um, we'll see how that shakes people up, Lair, Um, over the next couple days, and uh, we'll also test that theory about uh, oh, this isn't going to end well, and all that. Yeah, yeah, we've sort of dispelled but, but the that. great lesson,
0: John. The great lesson from this week for young people when you see that call put skew get extreme, it's a sign that somebody is getting pushed around, and you know, greed greed breaks things right and that's what happened this week there was so much greed to the upside so many people got drawn into this about call buying and the call put skew got so extreme and a lot of times when that call put skew gets so extreme that'll lead the market in other words what the pros are doing in the bloomberg chat they were like they were watching that skew every minute and when the call put skew started to move down it actually led the s p by about an hour in other words the, the the price of those upside calls versus the price of puts that spread started to contract about an hour before maybe like 40 minutes before the big move down in equities so it's a great leading indicator it doesn't work all the time but it, it works it works now really well because apple's the most expensive stock in the s p right and so it's essentially apple and tesla all you have to do in terms of macro and we have one of the we have a billionaire in our chat billionaire macro guy and I said, "What are you watching this week?" He goes, "I'm only watching Apple and Tesla." And this guy watches every currency on the planet, every high yield bond. And he says, "That's it, Apple and Tesla." And sure enough, he was absolutely right because they really, they really led the market. And you know what else led a little bit? Mm-hmm. Silver. Silver rolled over just before, um, just before the Nasdaq uh, yesterday. So mm.
1: now, and by the way, doesn't doesn't that one? Isn't that a head scratcher? That uh, you know, you've got silver rolling over, or you've got gold, you know, wouldn't crypto,
0: you- essentially, the, all the risk-on assets, gold, silver, crypto, they rolled over first, then the NASDAQ followed, and unfortunately, crypto, silver has become a real risk-on trade, and so we, we took a big position in March. I sent you our report in April, we did like a, a, a big pit, we called it uh, Lessons from Omaha, because I, I got invited, Charlie Munger invited me out to Omaha. And he gave me some great trading lessons, investing lessons. I put them all in our report. I'm happy to send anybody who wants a copy of the Bear Trap Support, just go to uh, thebeartrapsupport.com to inquiries or Tatiana, the Bear Trap Support. We'll send you that, that report with Charlie Munger. But, you know, lo and behold, you know, that reversal relative to the, the, the recent move, it's, got, it's become a risk on, risk off asset. And I think it has a little bit to do with the Fed. I think the metals are worried that if the Fed pulls back, a common, remember, the Fed's going to give you lots of forward guidance, right? But in terms of buying, you know, in terms of, there's, there's, there's all kinds of weapons, right? There's forward guidance, and then there's QE, and then there's, you know, a lot more what they call yield curve control, or, you know, all types of games they can play. But if they pull back some of those weapons, and, and just don't offer them up right now, and they're hard to say, okay, we're going to wait and see then uh, then those hot assets that are really looking for more accommodation like silver, you know, get, you take a big leg down. And then that should be an opportunity. We're looking for a re-entry into silver.
1: Well, folks, you've been listening to uh, Larry McDonald, BeartrapsReports.com and uh, a guy that certainly an awful lot of big money managers li- uh, listen to what Mr. McDonald has to say. Um, Bitcoin to Larry's point, five and a half percent drop today. Um, Ethereum seven point seven percent drop today. Um, other big coins, because forget about some of the crap coins, but other big coins like EOS um, five five point six percent drop. You know these these were pretty big drops at a time when you might have otherwise expected money to flow into these they're getting out of stocks are they getting into crypto are they getting into metals and just the opposite they were getting out of everything the correlation was basically um wasn't that one was going down while the other was going up they were just you know taking profits off the table in all of these so uh, listen to larry when he's talking about that larry um i really Ready to catch up i really appreciate your time my friend um, I, I hope you have a great time down there. Um, I'll, I'll ring you up again. You tell me how great the fishing is and all that <laughs> stuff. And hopefully we'll get you on again before the election. Yeah, it, it's, it's great to see you. And, and uh, I can't wait to get together when we're back in New
0: York. Are you gonna come down here? We'll do some fishing. But Thanks a lot. Great to see you, my friend. I'll do that. Thank you.
1: Okay, Larry McDonald, Traps Reports, guys. And colossal failure of common sense. Yes, the inside story of the collapse of Lehman
0: Brothers and on Twitter, it's at Bond. Beautiful.
1: Thank you, Larry. Thanks, Sean.
0: All the best. I'll see you at the
1: top. Okay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.